God bless you all. This is Brooke. Praise Jesus. Praise God that you are here and that he has kept you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It is the last day of the year and it is Sunday, a day of gathering for many here in America and we are gathering as one in Christ and there are so many points to truly just ponder this year. I think we can all sit back and think, you know, the first day of 2023 as a and now we're here at the last day of 2023 and think of it as the letter Z and how your year really went through each each of those vast ends of the spectrum and the space that's been in between. I also think about just the work that we've done for the Lord, just pondering, you know, was it enough? Could there have been more? Can we take what could be perceivably lacking and go into the year 2024 on fire for the Lord, for Jesus Christ. And I'm so excited for the year ahead. And primarily I'm excited because of him and the promises he has and the word that just keeps coming to me is forsaken, that he will not forsake us. I think so many of us feel forgotten sometimes or we're just on this plane of moving so fast everything is just fast and busy and within that our mind begins to take us into places where we think God forgotten us because he's not answering and doing things that we can see according to to our timeline and um, I just love that his timeline is not our timeline and uh, we can trust him and that all of our hope is in him and so as I was uh, just kind of doing my last podcast of the year hopefully not last ever hopefully there will be more to come and I pray that the father blesses me with just more wisdom and revelation to continue to speak to others and that this would get to the spaces and places of people whom it can truly encourage. So I'm just going to be praying into that as well. And, uh, but truly God's word speaks for itself. So many of us, you know, we give so much commentary. Uh, my primary, one of my primary gifts is encouragement. So I like to use and I get so much built inside me and I, you know, I'm just like, I got to get this out. So I like to use this type of platform to just express the encouragement I feel and that I sense and that I hear from the spirit and let it go out. Can't keep it to myself because that wouldn't be stewarding the gift very well. So just kind of going over today as I was sitting, uh, you know, day started out as a usual sitting uh, gathered uh, in a gathered setting right we call it a church Um, the highlights were noted though within this context of 
the amount of division. And, you know, I was seated in my usual place, back row. I like to kind of stay there. I like to stay in prayer. I like to kind of watch uh, the crowd. I like to pray if Holy Spirit highlights something. And I just happened to notice the groups of people that were gathered. And this one thing was just quite obvious. And it was the amount of separation that was noticed within the body of Christ. And, you know, one would ask, you know, what is meant by that? The separation of people and families. So the gathering started today with early fellowship breakfast. This is something that we historically have done in that uh, gathering, that church, um, but it's probably been several decades uh, where it fell out of maybe not decades, but probably at least a decade where it fell, if not more, out of the rhythm of doing things, which was gathering for a fellowship breakfast. And I came back to this area and I just had it on my heart, like, let's do this again. You know, breakfast, we all can agree, those of us who cook, is one of the easiest meals to cook. (laughs) So I love it, right? So let's, why not just take that time and uh, fellowship with each other? How else will we get to know each other? How else will we get to know what we can pray for uh, unless we start fellowshipping with each other? So it's, you know, good time. We can chat. Um, and of course, over food, right? So, and I had to repent, like, Lord, forgive me, because I almost caught myself going to a book that I was going to borrow to read and, uh, you know, or my phone while I was seated. And Holy Spirit was like, uh, what are you doing? And, uh, you know, forgive me that I do that. I think we all tend to do that. Like, if we're standing in a grocery line, we instead of like looking at the people around us and seeing if Holy Spirit highlights someone to pray for or speak to, we just turn on our phones because our minds just want to be lazy. But praise God, you know, my spirit just pushed through that and I started to chat with one of the gentlemen that was seated and he had come actually first. He always comes early. So this gentleman was, uh, you know, he's well established there. He's been going over, he's been going to that church over three decades And, you know, we just got speaking about families and he had said there's no sons to be had and he's got two daughters. Now, sadly, one passed away in her 30s and then the other one still lives close to him in proximity, but he has not had any contact and anything to do with her in over the past two years. Now, this gentleman here is about to be 89 in a few weeks or so but he is sharp as a tack. So, you know, this is things to pray about. It's when we talk and open up to each other that the deep parts of our lives may be exposed. You know, this brings about the darkness. It brings about the dark things within us to the light, and that allows for intercession to work. Um, there was a prayer request today, and it was an unspoken request. And we've all kind of heard that. If you've been in any sort of gathering, you may have heard that. Maybe you haven't of where someone says they have an unspoken request. Now, obviously this is something that they want to keep to themselves because, you know, perhaps it is about someone who's sitting right next to them. 
and they just feel like that isn't the space or place or time. And I agree to a certain extent because we do have to understand the context of our prayers and when we do start speaking, uh, you know, even even uttering dark things, um, things anything dark is things that are making it's making our soul feel conflicted it's a dark thing that's anything in christ or in the father has there's nothing to conflict because he is all good and all righteous so um i just think we need to be careful when we get into the unspoken requests and i agree there may be settings to which it's keep it unspoken but also pray for God to put someone in your path that you can deliver that out. You can get it out of you, what, whatever that unspoken is, because the enemy would have you keep that deep down and hidden to have some conversation secretly in your mind with God, which is not anything wrong with that. But if you speak it out loud, if it is coming from a dark place or a dark principality is over it and you're speaking it to light God can move in that situation so just be encouraged to uh, find someone that you can um, you know this is about getting vulnerable and about deliverance Jesus did come to save but he also came to deliver and he set the captives free so I love it I love who he is and what he has done for us. So this man, you know, he just gives me this information. And so he was sitting across and then on the right side of me was a couple who also had lived estranged for several decades as well. Only now, nearing the end of their earthly years, what seems to be through sickness and the frailty of life, because which both are in their 80s, they are living back together and it seems to be more of a proper marriage. So a point to ponder here is, you know, I wasn't thinking too much of this heading in, um, you know, into service from the fellowship, going into that sanctuary setting. I know it's all so formal when we try to put God in a building, but in reality with Jesus, we are the temples to which he lives it's simple wherever we gather he is wherever we fellowship he is wherever we disciple he is and whatever we do our kingdom work it's any time in any place at any rate i was there i was sitting in the back and listening to service and song and when it came to a certain point it was then i noticed more of this division i had seen many single people there Now, sadly, I'm not referring to what most of you might assume is people in their young 20s who have, you know, maybe early 30s. They haven't found a spouse yet. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about folk probably in their 50s. And I'm early 40s. I'm probably one of the youngest in that gathering. But within that category, there was only one widow that I could think of. Now, which... The rest were just people who are separated, not of one accord. They're either divorced or not married anymore. And it was a mixture of men and women. So, you know, this further exposes one of the biggest rifts in this area, in this specific geographic area, 
is this Protestant versus Catholic faith, I suppose. So many couples are 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 someone one yet when it comes to spiritual matters in life, they are completely divided. I've seen husbands without wives and wives without husbands. And the sad reality is that, well, one's a Catholic, one's not. One's a Protestant, one believes in Jesus the way, quote, Protestants do, and the other believe, and were raised with a Catholic heritage. You know, Grandma did it. Great-grandma did it, great-grandpa, and that's just who they are. They say, I'm a Catholic, I'm a this, I'm a Baptist. So... It's a sad reality. <clears throat> as mentioned, you know, this is a smaller gathering, and I took count as I was seated, and all in all, there are approximately eight couples, counting the pastor, and about 14 singles. Now, those are probably not the exact numbers, but that's just a rough estimate. This morning, I was reading through the book of Micah, and... I just have to say that my spirit, you know, it it just fell in a fog this morning as I was reading. I was not receiving too much at that time of morning worship with the Lord. I I just I needed to just soon leave though. However, I had to get ready um, for the breakfast this morning and, you know, take my dogs out and do their thing. And so I read through and I just really couldn't ponder too much. I I just don't want to hurry what Holy Spirit has to say because he'll always speak but if my mind isn't ready I I don't want to I just feel like it's rude to the Father to just be like okay give me a download so I can go because then it's just like I'm not really trying to seek him I'm just having him try to satisfy some checkbox and my make me feel better for the morning but at any rate I just simply finished my reading and like I said I pondered briefly in some areas and then I closed the book the book of life and I went on my way <clears throat> and then after service and cleanup and everything else I get back home I walk the dogs again and I just wanted to sit down and reflect you know these days events this this day event you know should this be a last day I guess uh, it is a last day in some respects of this year but I opened the good word back up and I went right back to a passage that stuck out And it comes from Micah 7. And it says, Woe is me. This is verses 1 through 7. For I am like those who gather summer fruits, like those who glean vintage grapes. There is no cluster to eat of the first ripe fruit which my soul desires. The faithful man has perished from the earth, and there is no one upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. Every man hunts his brother with a net that they may successfully do evil with both hands the prince asks for gifts the judge seeks a bribe and the great man utters his evil desire so they scheme together the best of them is like a briar the most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge the day of your watchman and your punishment comes now shall be their perplexity Verse 5 goes on, Do not trust in a friend. Do not put your confidence in a companion. Guard the doors of your mouth. 
from her who lies in your bosom. For son dishonors father, daughters rise against her mother, daughter rises against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. Therefore I will look to the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. So I recalled that in the latter verses of these scriptures, the division of families. Verse 6 again says, For son dishonors father, daughter rises against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies are the men of his own household. But the Holy Spirit then put the words Jesus spoke in Matthew. Matthew 10.36 says, And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. And Jesus also emphasized a divided house cannot stand. In Mark 3, verses 20 says, The multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. Verse 23, So he called them to himself, and he said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And I just, I want to read the rest of that. It's so good. But I guess the point of this is a house divided so the church divided won't stand so if a gathering is divided it will not stand if there is any unclean spirits if there is anything that people are holding in lack of repentance lack of deliverance there's just if there if satan has some sort of rights over someone it is difficult for that church to stand but even taking it to a more intimate place, I was thinking about the division within the households, like in the natural, husbands are coming, wives are coming, but the others are not. How can that marriage stand? How can a marriage to Jesus stand if our minds are divided? So it's really significant. And Luke 8, verse 19, it says, Then his mother's, mother and brothers came to him, and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But Jesus answered and he said, My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. So we need to know. We need to know who our family in Christ is. Matthew 24. This is one thing that I thought about in stark uh, comparison with Micah 7 verse 6. Again, I'll read that scripture. Turn my pages over here. For son dishonors father, daughter rises against her mother. Daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. Think about Think about that in your own household. Now, this is the sorrow for Israel's sins. We cannot say we're an exceptional people. We have been grafted in. 
but we can easily fall into the same behaviors and sins that Israel has. What does that mean when we stay divided within our own household, let alone within the church? Matthew 24 says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered his ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And, you know, some of that, some people will look at that as the rapture. But whether you believe it's the rapture or the second coming of Jesus Christ, it's still the point of that division in someone's own household. All these scriptures are simply swirling just through my mind and my heart hurts upon this division. All the while, the pastor was speaking about our first true marriage being that to Jesus Oh, but many do not want to see it that way. Many believers, quote believers, are married to the world still. They try and squeeze a bit of spiritual living with Jesus as Savior, but have they made him their Lord? I don't want this to be some Christian put down, but I cannot help and think about the heartache of all of this division and where this leaves the people as fowlers of Christ in which we are a remnant rising. Much like a monarch shedding her cocoon or the dross and chaff will be taken away. Is that too much for some to see? It has been impressed upon me the oneness to which Christ Jesus had prayed in John 17. Jesus prays for all. He says in verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And they... All may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us and that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them and that they may be one just as we are, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. So going into the new year, you know, like I said, God is not on a timetable, but we are as humans. We live by this day by day, hour by hour. And I just, you know, get this vision of the hourglass flipped over and the sands of time just dripping through. And it's getting getting down there. So let us pray for the most perfect union this year. Fundamentally between Christ, the Lord, and his righteous children. Let us pray for reconciliation, restoration, and the finding of our first love, which is him our creator, our loving father. 
Let us marry Jesus this year and commit more, grow more, and honor our Lord. After all, he saved us. There is a marriage supper coming soon, and I want those to which I steward prayers for to be there. For many, that includes the family I was naturally born into, all the while strengthening my eternal family through my husband, Jesus Christ. Last year, I was given the word long-suffering in the beginning of the year, and I initially thought more of a global interpretation that the American church would finally get slapped in the face with the realization to which the line in the sand is drawn when we are one in Christ. I I associated it with the apostasy to which Paul discusses, and frankly, some which we see now. Yet, that is the most obvious form. I was hit with a major blow of long-suffering, It was for me. That word was for me. If I am in Christ, I must be willing to suffer with him. Over the course of the year, I was taken to deep places of anguish, gut-wrenching sorrow, spaces of worldly darkness, and the only consolation was the breath spoke, Jesus. Long-suffering in a place where where the worldly lines cannot cross the spiritual truths, the places where the heartaches meet within that chasm. Yes, we can suffer in the natural form with infirmities or poverty, but suffering in the spirit is a whole different deep level of pain to which the only consolation is Christ himself, who suffered first for me. Oh, the beauty of the divine creator, our Lord. In Romans 8, 37 to 39, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now a few days ago, As I was doing laundry, a new word came about, and that word was joy. The Lord has set before the church this day joy, for it is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Through long-suffering, we can experience the fundamental expression of His joy, a word I am still getting to understand. Psalm 16 says, Preserve me, O God, for in you take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord have no good apart from you. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. 
You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is a fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Praise be to God. So let it be the joy of the Lord that we unite here coming this year, 2024. That we answer the prayer to which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ prayed over two centuries ago. That one in verse 21, Luke 17. I'm sorry. Is it Luke 17? That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me. Oh, John 17. And I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Now this does not always work out, but as it happens, today it did. Strong's Concordance for the Greek word 2024 is the word epikorgia, epikorgia, or epikorasia, maybe? Epikoragia. Maybe that's what it is. Anyways, so this word, it means to supply. So there's two instances in the New Testament coming from Philippians 1.19 and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's taken a part of partial of the verse. The second place we see the word in Ephesians 4.16. But let's read verse 15 for a little bit of context. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the unto the edifying of itself in love. For it is Christ who is the head who supplies all. Praise God. Praise his holy name, Christ, the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, to which every joint is supplied by the head of Christ, who is the head of the body. Hebrews 12 in verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed, about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and set it down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was the joy of the Lord to endure the cross, for us to experience him, life unto salvation. And we wait and we call on him to return. Meanwhile, we take the time to reconcile those around us, our wives, husbands, estranged children, co-workers and neighbors. Make intercession that he will have mercy and grant repentance to bring them back to life. Hallelujah. Let this be a closing word to go into 2024 and close out the year 2023. Be blessed, y'all. Love you.